Welcome to this week's edition of Everything Fast Pitch by Fast Pitch Prep. Coach Dino and I are here in the Cherokee Batting Range Podcast Studio getting ready to record episode number 203. Got a really good show lined up for you today. In our warm-up segment, we're going to talk about our city of the week, player of the week, equipment tip of the week, did you know, have a fun listener question, and of course, Paige's power play. In our lead-off segment, we're going to talk about senioritis and some things that go along with that. It's a thing. It's a thing, right? Yep, at, at all different levels. In our cleanup topic, we're going to talk about rankings, preseason awards, preseason anything before uh, the games have actually been played and what kind of value they have and do they really mean anything. And then our coaching tip of the week, we're going to help coaches understand that if a hitter struggles, it might not always be mechanical. Sure. So, Don, before we get into the topic, let's talk about our sponsors. First, the Anderson Bat Company. Everything Fast Pitch is very proud to have Anderson Bat Company as our presenting sponsor. Anderson Bat Company is using the latest and greatest bat technology to corner the market in the fast pitch world. They have the minus 9 rocket tech, the minus 10 carbon, and the minus 11 carbon light. Anderson Bat Company is using this technology to put a high-performing bat in the hands of hitters that really know the difference between a good bat and a great bat. We're also working with Anderson to provide a discount for all of our listeners. Go to the Anderson Bat Company website and order your bats. Use the EFP20 discount, which is for everything fast pitch, and you'll get a 20% discount. It's a great way for you to save a little bit of money on a great bat and also help support everything fast pitch at the same time. And of course, let's talk about patreon.com slash everything fast pitch. We do appreciate our patrons. We've got a great group of patrons that have been supporting us uh, for quite some time now. We would love for you to become a patron. If you're in a position where you can afford to, if you see value in what we're doing with everything fast pitch and coach prep, Coach Don and I are working on continuing to upgrade, continuing to add things that make the podcast better, and all that stuff has a cost attached to it. Unfortunately, there's just uh, no way around it. There's stuff that we need to do to, to get the podcast up and running, and, and uh, if you can help us with that, we would truly appreciate it. It's one of those things that we love doing it. We're really having fun getting together every week and talking about this great game, but it's also something that having the support of our patrons is really valuable. So go to patreon.com slash everythingfastpitch. There's three different levels of monthly support, and it'll all be explained to you there. And Tori, I think, aren't we going to be doing some giveaways pretty soon? Yeah, we're working on some giveaways. We're trying to do some things for our patrons, and as a way to say thank you to them, obviously we've also offered some discounts and things like that uh, in the past. Um, but there are some uh, different levels of reward that you get just for becoming a patron. So if you're uh, able to, we certainly would appreciate you doing so. So down in our warm-up segment, let's talk about our city of the week, someplace I kind of wish I was right now, <laughs> Naples, Florida. I'll bet it's a little warmer there than it is here. Yeah, talk about a fun place to live. Yeah. I mean, obviously great softball, great softball weather, great softball programs in the neighborhood where you get a chance to go out and see softball being played. And it's just a fun place to go. Obviously, uh, we all... You know, love the uh, snowbird action of going down the, to Florida during the winter. And I know that uh, I'm always a little bit jealous when I uh, look at the weather.com and I see that uh, some of those places are a good 25, 30, 40 degrees warmer than us. A great place. But we're obviously excited to see the numbers jump uh, in that area as we talk about constantly. Anytime it happens, we know that a group, a team, Somebody's an organization, sharing. somebody yeah. has jumped on board and, and pushed the idea of everything fast pitch out to their team or, or their group. And we certainly do appreciate that. As the numbers grow, it's great for all of us. Um, our numbers uh, go up every week. We're always happy to see the downloads increasing and the numbers going up. And always kind of happy to go back and see um, old episodes still getting uh, listened to. So it's, it's something that's got a, a little bit of a shelf life also. Uh, but we really do appreciate the folks in Naples, Florida. And we're hoping that uh, more people will uh, be able to get on board and give a listen. And, and we'll count on being able to get them to come back. So, Tori, just like you were saying, uh, the folks in Naples have been sharing it, but uh, recently here, locally, we've had a number of coaches that have talked about sharing it with their team. And uh, that way, when, when the coaches address something or talk about a topic that we maybe have covered, they're able to be a little more familiar and it's a little quicker for them to share that message at practice or put whatever we've talked to to good use. Uh, and I think that that's a fun thing for us to know because I think... Uh, uh, obviously, for both of us as old coaches, 
you know, a big reason why we did the podcast, why we started the website was to share our experiences and share our knowledge. Um, when I first started writing the blogs, uh, which were over 700 now, it was almost like a therapy session, getting a chance to sit there and, and <laughs> get it like, all out and get all that stuff out of your mind that uh, you've been you've been carrying around. And when you're coaching a team, you know, you get to work with, you know, 15, 20 kids, you get to share what you know with that group. And that's always a, an amazing thing. But this forum allows us to share what we know and, and our ideas and thoughts with thousands and thousands of people. And that's a very exciting thing, kind of a powerful thing. But we certainly do appreciate the opportunity to do it. So I want to say thanks to Naples, Florida. You're the city of the week. So our player of the week, Don, this week is Ada Nick. She plays for the Nine Spike 12U out of Jasper, Alabama. And Ada was recommended because she's uh, taken on the challenge of pitching. Her team needed pitching help. Kind of goes back to the topic we talked about last week where it seems like all teams are looking for pitching. But she's just one of those total team players. She's sacrificing and adding a whole lot of extra work to her agenda, adding a whole lot of extra time and training just to try to help her team be a little bit more successful. Sounds like she's a really talented player, a really good athlete, and it's always exciting to me to see a player who can look at what the team needs and be willing to jump on board with the idea of trying to fill that need. No, it's exciting, Tori. We're happy and excited to recognize you know, some of our athletes in other states like that in Alabama. That's yeah. great. So congratulations, Ada Nix. You are the Fast Pitch Prep Player of the Week. Also, continue to send us nominations. A couple of weeks ago, I whined and complained and got after our listeners in the uh, email started flowing in, but it's starting to dry out again already, folks. We got to keep working on it. Uh, just keep thinking about how much fun it is for your player to be recognized for what they're accomplishing. We want to continue to do this. We want to continue to have the player of the week be something that's uh, meaningful and enjoyable. And, and for us, it's a great thing. You know, to me, it brings a smile to my face every time I see somebody walk into the facility that's been a former player of the week wearing that T-shirt. We want to continue to see that happen. Tori, those T-shirts are sharp. They look good, and it'd be fun to have them, uh, you know, like we said, in, in all these other states. Too. Right. And when I know I've had uh, several people who have uh, received them in the mail that, you know, send me pictures back of, you know, of this excited look on the face of their daughter um, or the player that they nominated that is yeah. so excited and so proud of the fact that they get to be recognized. And so to me, there's nothing to lose, everything to gain. So please make sure you send in those nominations, everything fastpitch at gmail.com or fastpitchprep at gmail.com. So now let's talk about our equipment tip of the week, our square cuts training desk. No, Tori, we, we say it every week. Um, you know, I'd be disappointed for all those that don't get a chance to try them and check it out. We had some others that uh, had talked about how they've used them for multiple different activities. And so they're a very multi-use product. You know, I always talk about how safe they are for our, our fancy, expensive new bats because I constantly have students talking about how they've tore up their new bat to be not named right Right. they're constantly the the new one just came out and i'm waiting to see how many days (laughs) it takes before i start seeing pictures on facebook but that's a whole other story (laughs) right and uh but i can be very comfortable and confident saying that these discs are not gonna damage and destroy those right fancy uh expensive bats that everybody are are wanting to use so the the product is great yeah and it, it gives you instant feedback it's one of those things that I think uh, adds so much value to it. A player who's hitting them at home uh, doesn't need a coach looking over her shoulder to tell her things. The discs tell the story of exactly how we're hitting the ball, and it it just goes a long way towards helping players really understand the idea of trying to get all the energy that they're creating in their swing to actually go into the ball instead of wasting energy, losing part of the power, and not being as efficient as they can be. So the square cuts training discs, are available, you go to our fastpitchprep.com website. On the main page, there's a button you click. It's going to take you through the ordering process, and we're going to get them sent out to you right away. They're $49.95 a dozen, so they're not a super expensive training tool, and it's a great tool for you to have individually for practicing at the house. It's also a great thing for teams to have as another station, another thing to work on in practice. And the one thing that I really enjoyed doing the other day is we had an outdoor practice, and we took them and we hit them out on the field, Right. And could actually see the flight for a v- extended a long distance. space, yeah. And the kids were so excited to see it. And then I think it really gave them a lot of uh, encouragement that what they're doing um, as hitters now is starting to really pay off. And they fly pretty good, so you get a pretty good feel for what's happening. When you um, hit them square. Right. And if you don't, uh, there's no way around they, it. You're going to see that helicopter spin. They tell um, on you. And yeah. it tells you right away. So Square Cuts Training Disc, go to the fastpitchprep.com website, click on them, and we'll get them sent to you right away. <laughs> So, Don, did you know that this spring season, between 
the ESPN family of networks, so ESPNU, ESPN Plus, ESPN2, all the different you know, ACC, SEC, Big Ten, Pac-12 networks. Right. There's going to be over 2,000 college softball games broadcast. That's fabulous. And that's not taking into account that there's still a lot of other schools, smaller schools, Division II, Division III, NAI schools that are, are streaming their games in various other platforms, too. too. So yeah. my guess is we're probably talking about another 2,000 total games. So maybe 4,000 games are out there on the airwaves, out there in the ether for us to tune into. Um, we had a game on in the academy last night. One of our former players uh, plays at the University of Georgia, and they were on ESPN+. Plus. We had that game on. Uh, they lost a heartbreaker in extra innings, but it was just a fun thing to have the uh, college softball games on TV and to have a chance to watch them. And we always encourage the kids that we work with, the players that we coach, to try to watch as much college softball as possible because it's just a great way for them to learn a lot. That Clearwater Classic is coming up here this week. Um, and that's going to be a really big event. There's a ton of games with a lot of top, top teams playing each other. So take some time, do a little uh, searching, come up with some opportunities to watch some games. Coaches, I would challenge you to either download a game and watch it at a practice or have a team party someday. It's a team if building a, event. If yeah. there's a really cool you know, a team that you're all really uh, fans of, maybe it's a, a more local, local college group. or whatever that you yeah. want to cheer for. But, Don, did you know over 2,000 games on the ESPN family of networks and probably another 2,000 every place else? Tori, I think that's fantastic, and it's a great learning tool like you mentioned, but also, too, it's a great way to support, you know, all the kids that have worked really hard to, to get to that point and to that level. So right. that's excellent. Well, and I, I remember back, you know, 2007 was the year that we had that really good team, and we uh, had the good fortune of playing on ESPN2 because we had the big upset, you know, I think originally ESPN was counting on showing Alabama versus Florida State, and they ended up with Tennessee Tech versus Cal, <laughs> and we ended up winning that game, which was, you know, a, a, obviously a big deal for our school. Our uh, athletic department at that time, I don't think, had a whole lot of games on uh, ESPN or ESPN2 yet because it was, you know, the early days thing, of cable. Yeah. But so it was an exciting thing, and, and obviously now to see so many games that these kids have so much exposure, but more importantly, our fans, our high school players, our younger players have a chance to see really high-level softball get played, and they can learn a lot from that. So, Don, our listener question comes to us from Sam. And Sam says, I'm a relatively new coach. I just took over a, a team, so I'm guessing it must be a school ball team. I believe I have a player who's lying to me about missing practice. I'm not sure I believe the reasons she's giving me are really legitimate. How should I handle this? That's tough right there, Tori, because, yeah. again, without you know, honesty and trust and all those things, I think that we're missing a lot of, uh, you know, what it's truly all about. So I'm hoping that that's not the case. But uh, again, being supportive, and obviously it's issues. If they're missing practice, it's because of issues and things that could be going on in their lives to be understanding and maybe creative to help figure out how to get them where they need to be when they need to be there or you know, figure out a way to, to make it easier for them to attend all the practices, right. I think might be a way to go. But if we do find out that, you know, they're not being straight up with what's going on on the other side, that, uh, you know, we have to have some type of repercussion, right? right? Some sort of consequences. Yeah, deal. Well, I think, Don, one, one of your points that's really important is if we don't know what's really going on, it's hard to know exactly how we should react. Right. If it's, a kid just decides to blow off practice because they want to play video games or um, you know, they want to just hang out with their friends or whatever it is. They, you know, they want to do something other than just come to practice. That's way different than a player who has some serious, legitimate issues going on that are keeping yeah. them from being at practice. Um, one of my uh, uh, kind of uh, favorite sports movies is kind of an off-beaten-path movie. It's called McFarland USA, where Kevin Costner plays uh, this famous cross-country coach who was coaching in California in a very rural area where the kids that ended up ultimately being on his track team were all like migrant farm families and kids that really were struggling to keep things going. And one of the key scenes is that he has to kind of come to grips with the fact that you know he wants to drop the hammer on a couple of them because he doesn't think they're working hard enough or they're not you know practicing enough. And then you know he finds out how hard their lives really are. He went and spent a day working with the kids who he was mad at because he didn't think they were working hard enough and found out that by nine o'clock in the morning, he was ready to cry because he was you know, so dead tired. And they were doing that day after day after day, sun up to sundown. 
and all of a sudden his you know his perspective changed a little Before bit. Before practice, yeah. yeah. And all of a sudden, you know, I'll I'll make practice fit your schedule, work around with your schedule. We'll work together to make this work because you never know for sure what's going on. Now, if it's playing video games or just messing around with their friends and that kid is lying to you and coming up with reasons not to come to practice, you know, I think it has to start off with attending practice is tied towards playing time. Right. And if you are not coming to practice, you're certainly not going to be playing. If it's something that continues to happen, if you're not going to come to practice, you're not going to get to be on the team. But I think if it's the other option or the other situation where it's a player who's got some serious issues, you know, then I think it's up to us as the adult to figure out how much can we do, how far can we go, how much can we bend or give or, or, or change to try to make that situation work. No, I think that's a great point, Tori. And part of the challenge, too, is selling it on those that are at practice. If it is, uh, you know, limited playing time or, or, you know, not getting playing time when you're not there is one thing. But if you do want to, you know, continue to allow them to participate in the games, you got to sell that on the others that are, right. that are working hard at practice, too. So that could be a little bit tricky. Right. Because I think one of the things with team dynamics, it's always hard to you know, put into perspective. You know, the adult common sense part of me says, well, I understand why she can't be at practice. She's got a tough life. Well, if I'm the yeah. teammate who doesn't really care that she's got a tough life, she gets to play and I don't, that's a really tricky thing. And that's yeah. going to happen in every situation because I don't care how understanding the kids appear to be. Sooner or later, there's going to be the, well, she doesn't come to practice, but she still gets to play. And I come to every single practice and I'm working there at practice every single time and I don't get to play. There's going to be some issues with that. And so for, for Sam, you know, my first order of business is let's get to the bottom of it. You have to have a heart-to-heart, face-to-face talk. Um, if it's something that you're not comfortable, depending upon the age of the kids, if it needs to be Keep with the, the parents, parents, I think you need there. to in- yep. include them. But you need to find out is it A, there's something really going on, or is it B, the something that's going on is just softball's not as important as it could be or should be. And then once we know the answer to that question, you know, then I think you have to follow your heart and make decisions based on what you learn. And then again, you know, if you still want to give a chance for redemption, you want to give a chance, a second chance for that player. They need to understand that that uh, behavior is going to have to change ultimately if they want to be in the starting lineup. The ball's then in their court, right? Right. So, Sam, thank you very much. If you have questions, uh, please make sure, you again, that you reach out to us at everythingfastpitch at gmail.com or fastpitchprep at gmail.com. Coach Don and I love the questions, um, and we love being able to talk about stuff that our listeners are interested in. And, uh, Sam, uh, we are happy to send an Everything Fast Pitch t-shirt to you as our way of saying thanks for helping us uh, keep the show fresh and, and keep it going in the right direction. So, Don, that's going to take us to this week's edition of Paige's Power Play. Hey, it's Paige here, and I want you to start by imagining this today. You're watching your daughter at her softball game, and she's about to go up to bat. She already looks hesitant, maybe even scared up there, and you're already thinking, oh my gosh, she is toast. She has no confidence up there and you instantly worry about how she's going to respond to the rest of that game and even the rest of the weekend's tournament. Does this sound familiar at all? (laughs) I know my dad would be like pacing. Um, He couldn't like sit down because he was like nervous for me. I know it can be really frustrating and even heartbreaking watching your daughter struggle to feel confident when you know how great she is. I have two solutions for you that you can use right away. So number one, I'm having a parent workshop just for parents like yourself that feel like that that moment that I just talked about. It's called Confidence as an Athlete and Young Woman, Help Your Daughter Build Real, Lasting, Stable Self-Worth and Value. We are going to cover these things that are going to help her in this exact situation that we just kind of imagined and visualized. We're going to be talking about what to say to your daughter to help her build confidence and what not to say. We're going to be talking about how to help her focus on the positive rather than being her own worst enemy. And then we are going to talk about some ways to start taking action for yourself and for your daughter. And yes, we will be talking about the mental training program that will help your daughter take action on this confidence work with your support alongside her. For those of you guys maybe that know me a little bit better, that is the Confident Athlete Program, and it's we're going 3.0 version. There's some new things, upgrades, updates, and I'm really excited about it. So we will definitely be talking about that in this workshop. Um, it is Sunday morning. 
which has passed already, probably. But we also have one on Monday night. Um, so you can sign up for that at www.pagetons.com backslash workshop. And then number two, since the first thing is for you as a parent, this one is for your athlete. This week's mindset lesson is literally titled how to gain confidence right before you play. So we're talking about like hitting, pitching, like right before you step into the box, right before you're, you know, if you have a daughter that pitches right before she pitches, it could even be for defense before every pitch. So I'm going to teach your daughter a pre-performance routine that will help her have her feeling calm, collected, empowered, and feeling good right before that at bat. So you can grab a spot in this week's lessons for her at um, pagetons.com backslash lessons or just going to my site. It's on my site at the top. So let's do this together. Let's work together to help gain confidence for your daughter. And I will talk to you soon. Lead off topic is sponsored by Elite Sporting Goods. Elite Sporting Goods is located at 905 Grayson Highway in Lawrenceville, Georgia. Phone number there is 678-377-0270. You can also contact them at elitesportsorders at yahoo.com. Anything you need, bats, balls, gloves, spirit wear, t-shirts, the whole nine yards, and they're happy to ship it anywhere in the United States. So this topic, Don, is something that I've had this discussion with numerous, numerous players uh, since I got into the lesson business. And uh, every year it happens. Now, for our Georgia kids, it's happening now because high school season is done and they're heading into travel ball. For a lot of our listeners, the spring season is the high school season. And so a lot of the kids are still pretty motivated for school ball because it's their last hurrah, it's their last chance. Maybe they can win a state championship or whatever it is. But no matter what the time of the year is in relationship to that uh, senior softball player, this is something that I keep hearing all the time. Well, I'm already signed. I don't need to work that hard this summer. I'm already signed. I earned a break. I deserve to go on vacation instead of going to a tournament. I deserve to have a little bit of extra time off this summer. And I keep having this discussion individually, which made me think it's time for us to have this discussion on our little bit larger forum. With our big group. No, that's kind of scary, Tori, because, wow, we've worked so hard for this opportunity that we're talking about right now and to to take our foot off the pedal or to let up or to ease off now is really um, scary to me because I think we're setting ourselves up for a huge disappointment Right, because all those that we're going to be competing against when we get to that next phase, uh, they're all digging and working and planning and um, fearful of of not being able to do enough to to fit in at that next level. And, you know, I think that uh, anyone that's feeling those things right now are really likely to, to come up short right. down the road, and I'm, I'm scared for them. Yeah, well, there's a couple of things about that. First, I think one of the challenges is for a lot of the players and their parents, they've spent so much time working on getting recruited and getting signed and getting to be a college softball player that in their minds they've seen like that as a finish line, and they see it as like that's the accomplishment. Once I get to that point, I'll have reached my goal. And we talk about this in the recruiting seminar. It's built up a lot. Yeah, Yeah. we talk about this in the recruiting seminar all the time, that when a college coach is recruiting you, all that you've done that got you to the point that they want to sign you is important. But to them, it's a starting line, not a finish line. Right. And if you as a player or a parent take the attitude of, well, we've already reached our goal, we've hit the finish line, we're going to be in for a heck of a rude awakening when all of a sudden we get to college and we find out that this college coach is thinking, you know, this is the very first step of the race. I haven't completed anything. I've still got a long, long way to go, <laughs> and i got a lot of work to do. And so I think that's the, the first thing we have to talk about is that in the recruiting process, and as players and parents and coaches are working on trying to find a place to play in college, that we lose perspective a little bit on exactly what it is that we're accomplishing when we get there. No, I think that's that's a, a really strong point, and I've had I've had both situations, Tori, over the years where some athletes, when they get that opportunity, when they secure that college scholarship and know where they're going, that they put the pedal down and they say, "Well, I've got to work harder now," and I'm really excited for those athletes. But I've also had the other where once we get to that point where they've signed and done all that, that I stop seeing them on a regular basis, and it's a little more infrequent when yeah. we get to see them and 
you know, in the back of my mind, I'm like, uh-oh, we might have some issues here. Right. Well, and, and uh, the reason I thought this was important is I had this discussion with one of my players who is a super hardworking, super dedicated kid. And I understand the human nature aspect of it, of thinking, wow, it'd be nice to kind of have a break. Got to take a breath. But she yeah. and I had this discussion. I said, well, a break should be like a week. A break should be like a couple of days, maybe a weekend. Right. A break is not, I'm going to slowly <laughs> but surely a- do less and less and less all summer. And one of the things that she said was that uh, their, their team is playing in a qualifier here pretty quickly uh, with the hopes of qualifying for one of the national championships. The whole discussion started off with, well, if we can qualify, then we can drop like 10 of the tournaments we're supposed to play in and I can have all this time off. And I'm like, no, stop. We can't have this. And so from a purely selfish what's in it for the player's perspective, let's talk about that first. Reality of it is for a player who's going to be a freshman in college, this summer is a chance for you to either A, have a huge advantage and a huge leg up on the kids who are already there or a gigantic deficit going in. The reason is simple. Once you get to be 19 and over, there's very few opportunities to play softball. Summer there, opportunities. There's, yeah, there's yeah. very few chances for you to you know, pick up and play in the summer to get some live at-bats, you know, to get out there and keep working on your game, to work on some of your weaknesses. For our going-to-be freshmen, just got done with senior year softball players, this is a chance for them to go in super ready. Totally sharp. Game hundreds of at bats. A hundred, yeah, a hundred percent ready to go, as you said, with hundreds of at bats, making dozens and dozens of plays, going to practice on an every, you know every week basis, being really sharp. So when you walk in the door, you can show that college coach and your new teammates, look at me. I'm pretty darn good at this. I am rocking and rolling, ready to go. You've at least given yourself a chance to be able to show your best, right? right. And, yeah. and honestly, you're probably closer to 100% ready to go than almost any of your returning teammates because they've been hitting in the garage, they've been going for some lessons, they've been going to the park with their dad or their friend, chasing some fly balls or whatever it is, but there's no way in the world that they're going to practice on a regular basis. They don't have the same opportunities. They're not seeing live at bats. They are working as hard as they can to do the best they can but with a whole different set of opportunities. And so the chance that you have to have all that game action, that live action, is really, really valuable. Now, the one thing that I hear all the time is, well, because I'm committed, my coach doesn't want to play us all the time because we have younger players that need to be seen. Well, that's when you have to have that heart-to-heart talk with your coach. And in some cases, I think some players who have been signed that are on a team that has a lot of younger players that need to be recruited, then they need to be looking for some other opportunities to get more field time, more game time. But even if you're playing a little bit less, but you're still going to practice, you're still going to warm-ups, you're still doing all that stuff on a regular basis, it's still immensely valuable for you heading into your freshman year of college because you are going to be so much sharper and so much more ready to show what you're capable of doing. No, I like everything that you said there, Tori, and I think there's a balance for teams that need to show those that haven't signed yet and right. you know, and still get you a lot of work going into it. And the fall in a college setting is a really short, quick season. And to be able to go in there and be sharp and show well to have good opportunity for that following spring, your freshman year, I think is a huge deal. And if you think that you can compete against people that are already there, that are already doing all that after coasting through a, a spring and summer, I think you're in for a rude awakening. Yeah, no, yeah. And, and, and again, because most of the players that you're going to be competing with and playing with when you get to the college team that you're going to be a part of are invested in that. It's something that's really important to them. They've been working hard already for a year or two or three or seasoned, four. Seasoned you know, they've got them. a lot yeah. of blood, sweat, and tears invested in the program, and they're not very impressed by somebody who coasts in out of shape, unprepared, not ready to show what they're capable of doing. Because some of those same players are the ones that are begging their friends to pitch to them so they can get a few swings in. They're the ones that are begging their dad or their, or their uh, friends or whatever to go to the park to hit them some ground balls. They've been the ones that have been working really hard to come up with any way they possibly can to work on their game. And to them... The fact that you had this chance and you didn't do it is almost offensive. We want to make a great impression on our coach, but we certainly want to make a great impression on our new teammates, too. 
thinking in my mind too. If if I'm going to be racing with somebody and and they say, go ahead, you can have a little bit of a head start. And I say, no, I don't need it. I'm just going to stand here and hope that I can be as quick as you are in this race. Right. So to me, I think that's one of the, right. And that's one of the things that is really lost, I think, in, in the discussion is that opportunity to make that big first impression, to get off on the right foot, to show everybody, hey, I'm serious about this. I'm here to help us win. I'm here to to be the best player I can to contribute is very, very important because the flip side of it is when you walk on campus as a freshman, you're scared to death. The whole thing is intimidating. It's already kind of a shock to the system. There's all these new things and new systems in place that we don't even understand yet. If we add on top of that the I'm out of shape, my game sucked, I'm not ready to play, I look terrible at practice, I, I didn't even touch a ball today in the, in the 10 you know, live pitches I got to sw- swing at kind of stuff. It just adds so much more angst pressure. And, and pressure on a player. You don't want to be the kid who's looking at it thinking, I wish I would have so I could show people what I'm really capable of doing. The regret of that is just one more thing that you're going to carry around and weigh down. And, and it's already a, a big enough challenge. You've got a lot of stuff going on in your life that you didn't have six months or eight months or a year ago. You work so hard to have some fun there, right? Right. Obviously, the fun that we want to have is be able to play our game to the highest level we can and show what we're really capable of doing. And so you have a chance to make a great impression on your coach. You have a chance to make a great impression on your teammate. You have an opportunity to be so much more comfortable and confident and consistent in your performance that not doing it strikes me as one of the dumbest things ever. We haven't gone on vacation in 10 years. Well, okay, I get that. But do you want to have a lot of vacation time this summer and then a miserable college career? Or do you want to postpone the vacation for another year or two? You Because know, after you're a freshman in college, that summer you're going to have a little bit more time. As you get further into your college career, you're going to have a little bit more time then to go on a trip or whatever. No because spring, yeah, summer ball. Yeah. Right, because you don't have the same opportunity to play. You don't have the same teams to be on. So delay the gratification a little bit and get yourself ready. And I keep thinking back to you know story after story of kids that I've seen in the last five years that have chosen door number two where they're going to go on a lot of vacations and they're going to take all this time off. And you know they go off to college with a really good tan. They go off to college <laughs> right. you know, thinking that they're totally relaxed and ready for it. And zero of them well, have right. had really well. successful freshman years. You know, I mean, some of them have transferred, some of them have quit, you know, some of them have just, you know, struggled and struggled and struggled. Why make it harder on yourself when you're going into something that's already plenty hard? No, I know. And each day that we let go by, we can't get it back. We can't get a bunch of swings or throws or pitches in yesterday because we took that day off, right? right? But, uh, and if we want to find out how good we can actually become one day, we need to be chipping away at that all along the way. Right. And I'm not saying that you have to spend eight hours a day every day of the no. week working on softball all year heading into your freshman year. But I think we all are active and focused. Yeah, and, yep. and we're all uh, aware enough to know that what we're talking about is softball gets pushed to the back burner, then eventually gets pushed completely off the stove so that we can do all these other things that we've deserved or earned or missed out on. If we do that, we're going to pay a big price. The other thing I want us to think about besides the why it's really important for the individual player why it's important for the team that that player has been on. So let's say you are a player who was you know, signed, sealed, and delivered. You're going away to college uh, after this summer. But you've got two, three, four, six, eight teammates that are a year younger than you that are still trying to get recruited. Sure. The best way to ensure college coaches are going to be at games is for you to keep playing. Because somebody from your school, whether it's the head coach or an assistant coach, is going to watch you play a lot during the summer because they also want to know, well, what are we getting? How are you going to fit in? Yeah, what are we getting? How hard is she working? Is she looking good? Is she the same player I thought I was getting when I recruited her? But that's going to bring those coaches to your games to see your team. And other players on your team are then going to have a chance to make an impression. You also have a chance to help them with your coach if they are at a game and they say something like, hey, I noticed your shortstop today. She's a pretty good player. Yeah, she then, hasn't signed yet. Yeah, yeah, then you can you know, also kind of advocate for them, you know, talk them up, you know, you know, share some of your insight from being their teammate. I don't want to say that you owe it to those players, but you kind of owe it to them. I think so. No, for sure, Tori. And 
we might have been seen at a tournament that some of those players made fantastic plays to push us deeper into that tournament. Right. So for us to now just check out is not fair at all. And that, that frustrates me greatly when, when players get their opportunity and then they just step back and they're like, oh, as you said earlier, start coasting or missing tournaments or you know, skipping out. Everybody around us helped get us seen too. So we yeah. do owe it to them. Um, to show up, to work hard, to help uh, propel our team deep into tournaments where the others will be seen by other college coaches too. Yep. No, I think yeah. that's a really important point. And the other part of it is, you know, your playing makes your team better. Right. Your, your playing with your travel team makes them better. It's kind of a way for you to say thanks for the effort that everybody's put into you getting to the point of having a college career because you're going to keep working hard, right? Those coaches, those teammates, those other families, they've all been part of your journey. They've all been part of helping you get where you're trying to go. And wouldn't it be better for you to look back after the summer was over and say, Hey, whatever happened, I gave it all I had, you know, however they chose to play me, I was there and invested and gave it everything I could. The thing that will aggravate me till the day I die was having players check out on a team that we had that had a legitimate chance. And, and every single one of those players was signed and going away to college. Some of the younger ones were committed. They weren't signed yet. But we had a chance to have a big finish to their summer season and then to have crucial players decide that they're not going to be there on Sunday of the championship game because they're getting a head start on their vacation. Like now? Really? It, it, yeah. it, still, it still makes me mad. I mean, and, yeah. and it will make me mad forever because it's just so selfish. It's so short-sighted. There's nothing that happened in that first day of vacation that couldn't have happened on Monday. No doubt. But leaving your teammates and your former coaches and all those people that worked hard to help you get that college Forever. opportunity hanging Forever. and to leave that yeah. as your lasting impression, and that just to me is, is really unfortunate. I think it's sad that that happens. Players and parents, we have to understand, you've worked really hard to get here. Don't screw it up at the 11th hour. You've worked really hard as a travel ball high school player working your way up the ranks to get that opportunity to play in college. Don't mess it up with this senioritis idea of that somehow everybody owes me a break and it's okay for me to coast to the finish line. We're going to regret it. It's going to be a bad, bad, bad choice. Be there and have no regrets. Take it, run with it, make better choices, and then that way I can stop having this discussion (laughs) with kids in the cage. Right. All right, so Don, that's going to take us to our cleanup topic. Our cleanup topic is sponsored by Pinnacle Power Butter. Everything Fast Pitch is very proud to be sponsored by Pinnacle Power Butter. It's a nutritious snack that every athlete should have in their bag of tricks. It will allow you to get a great snack, something that's healthy and nutritious, all natural, and goes a long way towards making a ball player a better one. And Tori, our listeners can get their Pinnacle Power Butter at PinnaclePowerButter.com, and they can place their order there. Again, that's PinnaclePowerButter.com. If they use their promo code of EFP10, they can also get a 10% discount. And we're really excited that they're on board with us. Products are great. We've used them and tried them at home. The whole family loves it. All right, Don. So social media this time of year, we're seeing all these rankings, player rankings. Some interesting ones, uh, huh? Top 25 college rankings, preseason polls, preseason awards for different conferences. And I wanted just to talk about that a little bit because Part of me is just like, what in the world are we doing? I understand that there's different reasons why these things are so popular. And part of it is it's just human nature, right? There's nothing more fun than that pat on the back, at a baby, you know, somebody telling you you're really good at something, especially something that you've worked hard at, to have that experience of somebody saying, hey, you're the 34th best player in the country, or you're the, you know, the preseason first team all-conference selection for the Atlantic Sun Conference, or you're the preseason all-American pick for Division Two. All that stuff is a lot of fun for the individual player, but what does it really mean? Does it really have any value? And especially in some of these arenas, what's the motivation for doing it? No, I do think that that's kind of fun and exciting to be one of those teams that are noticed or ranked. And part of it, Tori, I think is just what you stated at the beginning of our session today is that there's so much excitement about fast pitch that there are going to be thousands of games on, you know, a couple thousand games on TV. There's going to be tons of games streamed. There's going to be probably more people in attendance at all of these schools and universities um, this spring than ever. I mean, it's going to be amazing. So 
to make some speculation or to to try and take some some time to make guesses or give awards is also exciting. Right. Well, I think there's two different discussions kind of hidden in this rankings thing. So at the college level, the preseason rankings, the preseason awards, the conference awards for preseason recognition of like player of the year or whatever it is, those to me are in a different category because it's based on a little bit more proof of what's been done in the past. There's a little bit more uh, accountability, a little bit more record keeping, a little bit more of a comparing apples to apples kind of thing going on. If a conference, you know, let's say the uh, Big Ten, announces a preseason player of the year, that player is proven over the last year or two or whatever it is that they're something special. And they deserve some sort of recognition for what they've done in the past. It doesn't guarantee that they're going to be the best player that year. Sounds like pressure. Right. But it certainly does have some merit, some weight behind it, because it's not some sort of random thing. If a team gets ranked in these preseason polls, and we talked about the preseason top 25 a couple weeks ago, and we looked at it, we know that a lot of that is based on the fact that if a school's been good for a long time, they're always going to get the benefit of the doubt. If a school hasn't been ranked ever, they're going to have to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that they deserve to be ranked. So to me, the college-level stuff has a little bit of common sense to it. I can, I can understand that. Right. So to me, you know, that is, is something that at the end of the day, it doesn't really mean anything. You know, it doesn't guarantee anything's going to happen during the course of the upcoming year. But it's also one of those no-harm-no-foul things to me. It doesn't really hurt anybody. Yeah. It doesn't really cause any problem because you know, there's enough history, there's enough evidence for everybody to kind of wrap their heads around it and make sense of it. Now, here's where I draw, I draw the line. These rankings of travel ball players, national rankings, where we're telling somebody that they're the 132nd best player in a graduating class, that they're uh, in a three-way tie for the 90th best player in a graduating class. To me, that's where I'm starting to really shake my head and wonder, what the heck are we doing? Because to me... <laughs> that's pretty tough to evaluate, isn't right. it? Right. If all the SIDs in a college conference get together and they say, hey, uh, Sally Smith is the top returning player in our conference because she hit 600 last year and she you know, led the nation you know, in home runs, that's one thing. But for us to try to make some sort of evaluation of 12-year-old, 13-year-old, 14-year-old travel one, ball even players. Even one through 100. Right. Yeah. Uh, nationally is such a total crapshoot to me. I don't understand what the motivation is in it, except that I think it, it does certainly uh, provide uh, content. And it's a way for the services that are doing the rankings to generate interest in what they're doing. Because certainly if... Somebody told you your daughter was the number three performer in her karate discipline, right. and she was, you know, being ranked as the number three. Uh, I, I would want to go and watch and right. look at that all the time. Yeah, her right? her, yeah. her weapons rating as her number three in the country. You would sign up. You would pay the fee. You would share it with everybody in your family. Probably everybody in your family would sign up. And before you know it, the karate see if she could get the number two. Yeah, the karatedo.com website has sold you know 10 or 12 subscriptions because the McKinley family is so proud of one of the girls. Absolutely. My gut feeling is that's what the motivation behind the softball ranking thing. But then in my head, I'd be thinking, but we haven't really been around all these other kids, right. so how do we know, right? And, and that's the thing that's, that's hard, to, hard for me. So there are certain sports, certain ways you know, that players can actually be evaluated on some sort of a scale that compares across different things, whether it's archery or shooting or bowling or you know a lot of other things where if you know if your bowling average is 229 that's what it is it's 229 everywhere yep. and it says that that's how good of a bowler I am compared to everybody else my age if your batting average is 629 what does that really <laughs> mean and does it have any value at all because if if you're hitting 600 and you're playing nothing but really weak teams with pitchers that are throwing the ball with an arc on it which in some areas might be the case. Right. And does that have the same value as somebody who hits 329 seeing nothing but top laser level. beam top level pitchers all yep. the time? Evaluation idea of this, of evaluating all these kids, to me is really hard to, to wrap my head around, especially younger players. Now, as they get older and the reputations grow and the 
pool of kids that are really competing at the highest level kind of thins itself out a little bit. You know, when we talk about, you know, who's going to have the best, a little more sense. When we talk about who's going to have the best recruiting class and they can say that Oklahoma has the number three, number nine and number 10 recruits on this ranking. You know, at that point in time, they've played long enough. They've established themselves enough that I think it's got, you know, a little bit of merit. It's still kind of a random kind of thing. My problem with it all is if it's being done just to generate income for the services, that's fine as long as everybody understands that that's what they're doing. If it's sure. a content creator because the different services need more stuff to, you know, to broadcast and more stuff to put out on social media and more things kind of to fun. get eyeballs yeah. on, their, on their websites, that part I understand too. That's just you know, reality. But what effect does it have on the kids? What impact does it have on those kids on their teams? And what's the price that is really being paid for it? Let's just say you, know, you have a player on your team who gets selected. And let's say she's the 50th best player in her graduating class. And nobody else on her team gets recognized. Right. Well, what if she's really not the best player on that team? Have we already not they, created a problem? They know. The team knows. Right. Well, where, and, kind and of she, where they stand. And she knows. Right. Right. And so if she says, you know, the rankings say I'm the 50th best player in America in my age group, but I'm not even the best player on my team. Right. And the best player on my team is not ranked anywhere. Then what's the value? What does, what does it mean? Yeah. Right. When I read some of those things, it, to me, it just really makes me shake my head within the team. Does that create problems? Do we have one player looking at another player, well, I'm better than her. If she's getting ranked and I'm not, what's going on? So is the coach doing something for that player? Is that, you know, a, a, you know, the quote unquote daddy ball kind of thing going on where, you know, dad's going to recommend his own daughter for the, for the national rankings, but not recommend other players. Have we created uh, some have, dissension and, and, yeah. and animosity and, and potential yeah. problems. And I think that that's a serious thing that does happen with a lot of teams because, Especially with even without the rankings, right? Yeah, yeah, and and so you already have enough of that. Well, my daughter's better than your daughter. I'm better than you are. Stuff going on within teams at the younger ages when the kids are less mature and the parents are less experienced. I think all it does is is like throw gas on a smoldering fire. Sure. And to me, I don't see any benefit in that. If I was in charge of a team. I would never recommend nominate a player ever, and I would just keep telling my players over and over again and keep telling my parents over and over again, we're not going to get caught up in this mess. If it's really important to you to have somebody lie to you and say that you're the 50th best player in America, you're going to have to go play on a team that's going to play the game and and get involved with that stuff because we're not going to do it. Well, I think it's good for us to be talking about it, Tori, because there are a lot of young teams that are creating some momentum and getting things going and pulling together really fun rosters with kids that are going to be maybe sticking together for a long time. And just talking about this might kind of head off some of that issue that might be down the road. Yeah. And it's important because the other thing is, let's say a player is 12 years old and somebody says, Hey, Sally, you're the number one player in America. You're the very best player in your age group. Now, some kids are going to take that as a incentive and they're going to keep working hard and try to make sure they stay number one. Some kids are going to take just, it as a pat like, on the back and say, whoa, I guess I can coast a little bit. Now like I'm the, working. Just like the older kids yeah. that commit, right? Yeah, I'm working way too hard. So we already talked about senioritis. Now we've got 12-year-itis. Right. Because somebody said I'm the best shortstop in the state or I'm the best shortstop in America or I'm the best player in the country because whatever, whatever.com says it. You know, it's here it is. It's, it's on social media. You know, I, I shared it with all my friends. You know, grandma and grandpa are super proud. So, well, so am I going to go work out or am I going to go to the movies? Right. Or spend more time sharing the article about me being number one in the country so that everybody can see it. Mm. And then what does that lead to again with team problems, team chemistry, that player, you know, fitting in, you know, I've heard this already and I've seen it at the ballpark where, you know, a player who has been ranked, a player who has been given that at a baby, you're a really special player, doesn't play very well. And you kind of hear the murmurs and the the grumbles about, well, if that's the 31st best player in America, I'd hate to see what number 30 looks like. Right. All that that's stuff. It, and tough. I know it's childish. Yeah, I know tough. it's it's dumb. But if we don't think a whole lot of childish, dumb stuff is going on on every team in America, we're just not paying attention. All these things build up too, Tori. And again, just 
more issues for coaches to have to deal with. Right. And and coaches think of it this way. I know that a lot of you do it because you think if you don't get your players on these lists, it's going to hurt you, that the players aren't going to want to be on your team. Let's just be honest with our players about what's really going on. Let's just keep beating that, beating that drum until they understand that they know that these rankings don't really mean anything in the grand scheme of things because there's lots of players that never do get nominated. They never do play the game. It's not a legitimate, I am really the 50th best player in the country. It's that somebody just decided that based on what somebody told them, that some coach said about what so-and-so thought they saw in the one game that we played, that so-and-so is a really good player. And then from that saying, eh, sounds like 50. So what's, what's all the hand-wringing about? What's all the getting upset about? It just doesn't make sense. I understand the players are going to be proud. I understand the parents are going to be proud. But if we're clouding our judgment, losing our perspective, we're headed for a whole lot of trouble. And to me, I see nothing but problems and nothing to gain from the whole thing. So just be aware of it, right, as coaches, and let it and be parents, fun. parents, yeah. that's the thing for our parents. You've got yeah. to understand, you know, get on board with understanding what's going on with this stuff. It's just, not really anything. Just be ready to have to manage it. But be, Yeah, but be ready to manage it, because if your daughter comes home upset because I'm way better than Sally and she got recognized and I didn't, that's going to be a problem. And you've got to figure out how you're going to handle it so that she can still be a good teammate, she cannot be jealous, she cannot be mad, and you cannot be jealous, angry, and, and frustrated and all that stuff, too. And so it's just a balancing act. It's just one of those things, but it's a, it's a cross I wish we didn't have to bear. You know, I say it all the time. Thank God that we didn't have all this stuff to worry about back, you know, years ago when I was coaching because we had a lot of really successful teams that didn't worry about who was ranked or who was rated or who was where. We did have the occasional player who would play really good against a big school that they thought should have recruited them. But don't go looking for trouble. And to me, I think these rankings are go looking for trouble that we don't need to have. No, I think that's a, a very good topic for the day, Tori. And uh, again, if there's things that we talk about that can help head off issues for groups and teams that, that uh, are aspiring to be great, then I think we've done a good job. Yeah. So, yeah. so that's going to lead us into our coaching tip of the week. Coaches, when a hitter struggles, it is not always mechanical. We have to talk about this. Because I have kids that come in week after week after week that they pop up the first at bat. Have a tough weekend or whatever. Or not even even have the chance to have a bad weekend. They have a bad at bat. And then coaches are pulling them aside and trying to change their stance and change their hands and change their swing and change their approach and change all these things that... One, can't be changed that quickly. They can't be adjusted that simply. If they were that simple to fix, you know, hitting would be an easy thing to do. But all it does is take a misunderstanding, and that misunderstanding is most of the time, and, and you know, Don and I have had this discussion hundreds and hundreds of times. After we get to a certain level, a player who has a little bit of expertise, if they take a bad swing, it's not because they forgot how to hit. It's because their timing was so screwed up that they didn't have the time they needed to do the stuff that good hitters do. If a hitter struggles in one at bat, instead of trying to change their swing, remind them, hey, make sure you get your front foot down in time. Make sure you get ready to hit. Make sure that you're getting set in time so that you can make a decision on a pitch, that you can see it and decide if you really want to swing at it. And if we would spend more time fixing the timing part of it, reminding them about the timing aspect of it, we'd all be a whole lot happier because these kids didn't forget how to hit. They just didn't give themselves the time they needed. Tori, you're so right. And they've taken thousands of swings working on being consistent, thousands of swings to make it the same every single time. Their swing is going to be the same. It's going to have the same technique, the same everything except for the timing. Right. And to your point, getting out there, especially this time of year when thing, you know, when we've been indoors, we've been training, we've been working on all the movements, it's going to take a little while to apply the timing and, and get it proper. And if we are trying to make changes this soon, it's, it's only going to cause chaos and, and confusion, right? right? When I, I just had it uh, with uh, a very talented young hitter that I work with, I think she just turned 12. But she has been working at it for a long time. If you watched her swing and you couldn't see her face on the body, you would never think that this is a 12-year-old kid. Her swing is rock solid. Well, they had their first scrimmage game. 
And the very first at bat, she admitted that my timing was so off. I didn't. I was so excited about playing. I didn't even think about you know my routine. I didn't even think about you know getting ready. All of a sudden, I stepped up into the box and I realized I didn't. I hadn't figured anything out yet. But I was just so nervous and so excited. I just kind of lost it. A little crazy swing. Yeah. yeah. And the ball was you know three quarters of the way into the catcher's glove, and all of a sudden she decided, oh, I'm going to swing and hit like a one mile an hour pop up to the first baseman, and. Before she got to the dugout, the first base coach had given her a quick mini lesson about changing her hand position. And then in between innings, one of the coaches in the dugout was talking to her about changing her stance. Sure. Because on one swing, she did something totally out of character. And the thing that, there's two things about this that that trouble me. One is, have these coaches not been paying attention at all to practice and pregame and warm-ups to see the swing and know that she really is a, something wrong. a good hitter? Yeah, if there was something wrong, they right. would have seen it then. To think that if, if it was really <clears throat> her stance or her hands or her whatever, they would have been seeing that over and over and over again in practice yeah. and warm-ups. Yeah. So instead of freaking out and trying to change her mechanics, let's look at it and say, well, for whatever reason, she just wasn't focused, her mind wasn't right, she wasn't ready to hit. And she took a jacked up swing. And I have this talk with kids all the time because one of the reasons that I, or the ways that I use to convince them to work so hard on the consistency part of it that you were talking about is, so how much fun is the car ride home? And they kind of have that look on their face and they kind of hope that mom and dad didn't hear me ask that question. I said, no, seriously, how much fun is the car ride home? good for mom and dad too. Yeah. Yeah. And, And she's like, well, it's not very much fun. And I say, well, it's not very much fun because you can't answer this question, can you? And she looks at me like, well, what question? I said, when mom or dad ask you what the heck happened in the third inning when you took that god-awful, terrible swing, your answer was, well, I don't know. I don't know what I did. And I'll always ask, so did you forget how to hit? No, I know how to hit. So then what happened? Well, I don't know. I was like, well, here's the answer. Your timing is messed up. Absolutely. And it almost always, 99.9% of the time when an experienced hitter screws up, it's timing. Sure. Whatever it is, they're thinking about what they're doing after the game. They're mad because the umpire made a bad call. Still distracted because they made an error on defense. They're mad because their team didn't isn't playing good. Or they're so full of themselves because they hit a home run last time that they think it's just going to miraculously happen all over again. Whatever it is, they're going up there with a head full of snakes. You know, their head's in the clouds. They have no idea what they're doing. The ball's 90% of the way into the catcher's glove, and they take some sort of jacked up, messed up swing that they can't explain. But during that swing, it happens so fast that when you realize that your timing's off, you do strange things right. to try and accommodate, to try and make up that time that you've... Yeah, uh, your brain short circuits. ...misdiagnosed the... Yeah, and, and you do whatever you need to to try and get the bat to the ball at that point. Right. And, you know, often we'll see that when someone gets fooled with two strikes and things like that, because ultimately we'd rather take it. Once we realize the timing's off with less than two strikes, take it for a strike rather than do something strange. Right. So as soon as you feel something going wrong, that's when you shut it down. But, but that's what we're seeing is yeah. them trying to accommodate the lack of timing. Yeah. So, and, yeah. and, and everything in hitting is always a function of time. It takes a certain amount of time from you to, for you to go from launch to contact. And if you don't have the time it takes, your brain is going to figure that out instantly and you're going to pull your shoulder, you're going to step away, you're going to pull your hands in, you're going to drop your hands, you're going to you know, spin around, you're going to do something that's just totally jacked up. Right. And it's ugly, and it's hard to explain, and it's kind but of embarrassing. That doesn't mean you don't know how to hit. Right. It yeah. just means it happened that one time. Right. So coaches, start trying to make corrections when the weekend's over if they've done the same thing 15 times in a row. Then we've got to think about what the real problem is, and it's still going to probably be timing. Yeah. But then let's figure out how to help her with her timing. Let's not try to change her swing mechanics because she's not going to change those on the fly anyhow. I don't care how hard you try. I don't care how many times you say it. If she's used to plan A and she's practiced plan A, as you said, Don, thousands and thousands of times, plan B isn't going to just miraculously jump in there on one swing. They might hit it the next time, but it's not going to be because of what we did, right? Yeah, no, they probably just got their timing right because right. they were so busy thinking about what you knew, what you confused them but with. we're magic, yeah. yeah. So, all right, so that's going to wrap up number 203. Please make sure you check out our sponsors, Anderson Bat Company, patreon.com slash everythingfastpitch, Elite Sports, Pinnacle Power Butter, and as always, please make sure you reach out to us. We need Player of the Week nominations, everythingfastpitch at gmail.com, fastpitchprep at gmail.com. Order your square cuts training discs, thefastpitchprep.com 
website, go to the order button, go through the process. We'll get them shipped to you right away. And as always, make sure you reach out to us with questions, comments, or suggestions. Again, everything fastpitch at gmail.com or fastpitchprep at gmail.com. So for Coach Don McKinley, our producer, Stan Lewis, this is Coach Tori saying thanks for listening. We'll talk to you again next week.